Patriots, and it is late night tonight with Peace Be Still. I'm in Chico, California. Just got back a little bit ago from um, Glad Tidings Grass Valley Church. It's been a whole weekend down here at uh, Glad Tidings with Bobby Connor, who's an amazing pastor and prophet, and just had an incredible weekend opportunity to have some direct conversations with him and just so forth. So it's really been inspiring to hear a lot of what he has to say. And we're going to talk a bit about that tonight and a few other things. One thing, make sure you're getting a good night's sleep. God definitely wants us to sleep. And with that, there's some great things out there at MyPillow to help you get a great night's sleep, like the MyPillow 2.0. Looks like you've been sleeping well. Megan! He's back, the my pillow guy. And you're looking good. Still feeling good. Well, just when you thought it couldn't get any better, we've got the best pillow ever, my pillow 2.0. When I invented my pillow, it had everything you'd ever want in a pillow. Well, now there's new technology that makes it even better. My pillow 2.0 has my patented fill combined with a cooling fabric with temperature regulating thread. My pillow 2.0 is truly the next generation of my pillow. 
The best sleep just got even better. Whether you have a MyPillow or not, you need to get the brand new MyPillow 2.0. Call or go to MyPillow.com now. Use your promo code, and for a limited time, when you buy one, you'll get a second one absolutely free. You're sleeping even better. And cooler, too. And you're looking good. Feeling good. I knew you would. Visit MyPillow.com. Yeah, that's a good thing. I don't want them singing to me, though, when I'm in bed. I just want to put my head down and go to sleep. Because if they start singing, I'm likely to get out of bed and punch somebody. That's not going to be good. So, But we do still love Mike Lindell and all of his singing pillow chorus. That's all good. I want to start with something here I think is very relevant. This is um, Hebrews 10, 32 to 35. But remember the former days when after enlightenment, enlightened, you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a public spectacle through reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have to you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. We've had a lot of trials the last three years, and it's been one that has pressed everybody to the limit. And fortunately, so many here have turned deeper into the Lord, but what's coming is going to be greater trials yet. And we we have to keep that in mind that as we're working with God, these trials are refining us. And as we dig deeper into him, we're stepping farther away from what I'm calling the Luciferian pendulum, which is the swing between this political nonsense of left and right. And as we tuck deeper into him, we need to be seeking to listen more intimately to him and respond to those nudges that he gives us as we go forward. If there's one predominant message that came out of this whole weekend, it was the urgency. The war angels are, are amassing, and it's truly the urgency of the time in which we live. Sadly, the church is not pushing that message other than end of days, but there's, it's greater than that because the urgency is really in our hearts and seeking him and truly getting to a place where we're hearing him. However, God's got me working right now. He's uh, He's really has me on these passion, these paths to listen, to respond, and to trust. I told you the story about last weekend in Chico, where the, which ends up being some a homeless guy that I I end up encountering with that ends up being potentially related to somebody here in Bard's Nation. That's powerful. Today was another one, just a nudge, and sometimes it's not dramatic, but it's important. And it was a nudge to go out and to just stop by and see a couple of kids. Ended up being two, initially three later. They were just sitting on the side of a building as I drove by. And as I drove up into the parking lot, I just asked God, it's like, what do you want me to do? And it was ask them what they need. So I went over and had a conversation with them. And it's cold. It was probably, it's been about 45, 48 degrees here, wet, maybe as high as 50 at certain points, but wet and rainy. It's very much Oregon-type weather. 
And the cold when you get like this wicks the heat out of you. When I walked up on the two young guys, and I'm, I'm going to say they're in their young early 20s at best, one's completely huddled around a, a poncho, and the other is kind of tucked into his, his coat and his things. And I asked him what they wanted, if they needed anything, and he initially no. So I, I asked him if we could pray for if I could pray for him. And reluctantly, there was a yes. But we got into a better bit of a conversation, and finally I was like, look, are you guys sure you don't need anything? And, and one of the guys says, you know, well, look, I was just going to go get some donuts with my food stamps. And I said, no, I'll buy it for you. And... Um, he was surprised because I, I and I've you kind of have these conversations. You realize how discarded these people are, and they're especially these kids because they were they weren't doing drugs, at least not visibly, and they didn't have any look of doing drugs. They were just part of a displaced class of people, and they're they're castaways, and it's a sad thing because these young men and and later a young lady came up on her bike. But I've done enough work with this up in Portland that they just kind of collect together and they build little tribes together because it's the only way they're going to survive. Sadly, because they're cast away, most of them in the end end up on meth and dead. And there isn't enough effort to do ministry to them on the streets. And so just part of today's experience was just a, a place that God led me just as I drove by and I got a nudge and I looked and that's all it takes sometimes just to hear God to, to respond. Now, in truth, what I was doing is the day before, and I'll come back to the end of the story, but the day before, I would kind of got this nudge to go over to this Western store. I was looking for a pair of boots, which wasn't really the mission, though I thought it was the mission. And I passed by a young man. It was 18, 20 range in between the lanes, and he had a sign up and said, broke, have nothing, anything helps. And as I drove by, I realized that's where I should be going and focused. And so by the time I went up to the Western store, which was literally a nothing burger, I realized that I'd really missed the whole nudge of father. And when I, by the time I got back around dealing with the traffic, and there happened to be as well a, of all, of all the days, I got stuck in a bunch of traffic because somebody had done a high-speed chase with the police, which ended up in disaster, and they'd shut down like 10 blocks and shut down one of the bridges. By the time I got back, I couldn't find the kid. So today I just made a commitment to Father. I was like, I'm going to go out and see if I can find him. And as I drove by, I could see right where he was, had been. Still had his little bench, a little like a milk carton thing they were sitting on, the drinks that he had been having the day before, but he wasn't around. But I had seen these kids going by the store, the convenience store about half a mile back. So I turned around, drove over there, and like I said, I pulled in. I said, hey, Father, what do you want me to do? He said, just ask them what they need. So once we got to a conversation and they told me what they needed, I said, yeah, I'll go get you some donuts. And I had no idea what they liked. There's three varieties of these donuts, and I don't eat donuts like that. But that's what they wanted. And so I just bought all three. And when I brought them out, kids were originally pretty defensive with my approach, and respectfully so, because I'm sure they don't get treated well. And I brought out the three bags of donuts. He just looked at me. He's like, you literally bought us three bags of donuts? I'm like, yeah. I, mean, I don't know what you like, so here. And 
So I said, Hey, can we, can we pray together? And we did. And in that prayer, it was just, it was just a prayer for their blessing and to meet Jesus. And from there, as I started to leave, he said, Hey, you know, here's my, here I'm, my name is John. He shook my hand. That's, we're not going to find these people in the churches. You're never going to find them in a pew. But if we don't start getting out and doing the ministry on the streets and being courageous with God and remembering how difficult it was for us in the transition, we accepted Christ. And I would say that if you haven't had that experience, then it's probably coming because God refines us through the trials in which we have. You know, I have a, you've heard my story, episode 64, that's been a pretty good refinement for me. That's a few. That's man. That's a few shows back, isn't it? Man, we're like what are we? Two thousand one hundred something right now. So a, a few shows back in that episode sixty four. <laughs> if you ever can find it, which you can, you can just do a search on it. But there is a good testimonial on my on my journey there. And the thing is that a lot of that is for me. It was a real trial. You know, when God got hold of me, and He's like. I, you need to listen. And I finally did. And stripped me and broke me. That took two to three years before I got back on my feet. But what I had were people that cared. I had people that listened. I had people that were there to nurture me in the, in the, in the scripture. And it allowed me time to marinate in the word and to get closer to God and then to develop my my relationship with God. You know, Bobby Connor said something all weekend, and I and I he's he's seventy nine years old, and he's one of the, the last of that group of prophets that are out there, and he's he's the real deal. I mean, there's no I, if you don't like prophets, that's cool. I'm suspect of many of them, especially a lot of the modern ones. But this guy's the real deal. And he literally is the only person I've ever met that has the Bible memorized front to back. And I'm not exaggerating. He can quote you scripture anywhere, be in the middle of a sentence and just rip out the scripture, not even looking at notes, tell you what it is, quote you where it came from, and just keep talking. And that's how he runs his ministry. And he's, he's amazing to listen to. But as he said all weekend, and it's just a reminder, it's like God doesn't like religion. God wants a relationship with you. And I think that message is so on point. And the time right now is just so important. This was the other piece of the urgency of we need to get, we need to be awake and wake up to the fact that God is seeking a message with us and he's seeking a relationship with us, an intimate one, where we can hear him, discern with what he says and move with him as one. Because we're really nothing without God. And it's not like we're, like, fundamentally, once we step away from God, all you have to do is look to the example of what's happened to the left, and that's where we ultimately arrive, in some version of that. When we're walking with God, it's a completely different experience, as we know. So this is a, this is a time right now to really dig into that intimacy. And what I'm finding God is doing with me, and I'm assuming... With that, he's probably offering it to everybody. Is as we start to lean into him, he's going to start providing us with 
the experiences to build the strength in our discernment and to hear his voice. And a lot of that is the little nudge. The little nudge is responding to those things doesn't always mean that there's going to be that gloriful moment at the other end. Tonight, I responded to a nudge. I went back to the same gas station as I came back. I had this twice now, so let me be clear. Last night, I went back to the same gas station where I met the homeless guy last week. And that was an interesting one because I could feel that it wasn't really where God wanted me to go. And so I did it anyway. And as I drove up, it's late, and I drove in. No, hom- no Nobody was there. was any homeless people there at all. And so I step out. I'm like, okay, I'm going to get gas. And this is no exaggeration. You know, to quote Bobby Connor again, don't lie in church. Well, this is the same thing for me. So what I tell you is true. And I step out and I stick my credit card, debit card into the, the gas pump. And the minute I do, all the pumps go off. They shut off. <laughs> and I, I'm like, all right, well, apparently, Lord, I'm not supposed to be here tonight. So I packed it up and drove away. Tonight, I got the nudge, drove over there, and there were a couple homeless guys. One of them was having quite a bit of trouble. and But this was more of a question of discernment. And I'm not going to say I was right or wrong in this piece, but one of them was pretty much out of his mind. And I'm, I had a great call later with Brad Cummings on this. And... I mean, the conversation was this. It's like many times the nudge is to bring us to a place where we have to learn discernment because not everybody is going to be within the area of salvation. And so as we start to respond to God's push, we're going to get placed in positions where you can always pray for somebody. But the expectations of what we can accomplish are balanced by the discernment which he gives us in the moment. And the bigger piece is learning to hear him in these processes. It's very much, and this this was an example given to me by Brad tonight, which I really appreciate. It was a good point. Is just as, as he said, just as you practice with the sword or just as you do your running and workouts, the same type of fitness has to occur when we're dealing with understanding how the Lord communicates with us and how to respond to his nudges and how to discern with what's put before us. And that's only going to come from trial and error. And we're going to make mistakes. But that's what God expects us to do because he doesn't expect us to be perfect. But unless we take the chance to do something, we're never going to get there. And the problem is there's way too much conservative approach to things, hesitancy, concern about what happens if I do something wrong. If you are listening and following where you you feel God's pushing you, he knows there's going to be points where we're going to stumble. But unless you can get up to bat and take the swing, you're never going to have a chance to hit the ball out of the park. And that's the process where, unfortunately, in our faith right now across this nation, there's just way too few people that are doing the I'll take a chance. There's too many that are doing I'll sit in the pew. As I quoted to you last week, at the end of the conference when I was up in Portland a couple of weeks ago, after things were over and she was an add-in speaker at the end, that 
unfortunately, people were in the mode of leaving and not listening. But this this woman who spoke nailed it, and this is what she said. When Antifa hit the ground in Portland, pastors buckled up and preached within their four walls. But Antifa went to ground and evangelized the message of the father of lies. We are never going to win this war if we don't start understanding that simple concept. And the thing is that God has given us fearlessness and has told us that no weapon forged against us will succeed if we are going to be with him, if we're going to take risks with him. It's interesting my own mental process as I was going into approach these kids. There's a lot of things today that were going through my mind. Yeah, do they really care if I come up? Are they even in need of anything? That wasn't the nudge, but that was my mind trying to get me out of it. And we're going to the, the devil's going to work hard and over time anytime we try to do something good in the body of Christ. And there's going to be all sorts of doubt and all sorts of concept to pull us away and defeat us before we ever get started. And it's going to be things like, mm, I don't know if I should, I'll look foolish. Hmm, I'm really comfortable warm in my car. I don't know if I want to get out and get cold. Hmm, I don't know if I have enough time because I might have a phone call to make or I've got to get back and I've got to make some dinner, whatever that is. But if we're not responding to the nudge that God gives us, we aren't going to have an opportunity to step into that uncomfortable zone to learn the glory of what he's giving us every time we're there. And, and the more that we follow that nudge and f- follow where he leads us, and the more that we embrace the power of the Holy Spirit within us and letting the Holy Spirit lead us rather than we trying to tell the Holy Spirit what to do, the more rewarding and fulfilled we will become in and marinating literally within the power of God. Isaiah 61, Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. That's all of us. Once we accept Christ, that's all of us. And we have to remember our roots. Accepting Christ is a is a big transformation. And so many out here don't have any relationship or even understanding of what Jesus is. Bobby Connor, if you get a chance to look him up and listen to him, he has he is probably one of the most honest speakers with the most outlandish stories you'll ever imagine. I mean, he is one that has grown up. He grew up in, I think it was back with Arkansas, not Alabama, but about the same, or East Texas, I guess, which is about the same. And, and though Texans wouldn't necessarily agree, but <laughs> according to him, it's pretty close. And it is, as, it is as wild a life as you could ever imagine. This is a guy that was running a gang when he was in high school. He didn't get his diploma because he was in jail. Um, he's had the most incredible experiences in his life, and God's kept him safe. And the point that he was making, which I can very much relate to in my own way, in my own walk, though not as extreme as Bobby, let me be clear, is that we have to just we have to do things and we have to get into the world if we want to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. 
if we're sitting within our homes or sitting in, in the pews and we're expecting the Holy Spirit to present itself in profound ways, it's not going to because there's nothing there for it to be to pushing you to the limits. We have to push ourselves and open that door. And I so agree with that piece. He is he has traveled the world. He has gone places and trusts in the message of the Lord and he has marinated deep within the word. And I think if there's one thing that really came out there's of the number of things that came out this weekend to kind of reframe that statement. One in particular has really struck me, which is so important. And though I every day read scripture and every day try to incorporate scripture in all the shows, for myself, and I think it's an even bigger message for all of us, is we need to really marinate in the word. And when I say that, it's like I realize myself, I get up early, I pray every day, but there has to be a deeper focus on not just going in the Bible, but immersing ourselves in scripture and letting that soak into us, reading deeply, filling our pond, filling our well, marinating in that to give us the strength and wisdom that the scripture gives us. That's a a deeper level than I've been going. I mean, I do it anyway, but, and it just, when I say this, it goes even further because a lot of what God's showing me and reinforcing over and over in messages is while politics and so forth are okay to keep, are at this point, I'll say it this way, at this point, important to keep an eye on the true power of what we're going to achieve all sits within God's word. I don't think those are profound words. Matter of fact, I would, as I say those words, I'm like, I'm even hearing myself go, no does God, but they're a reminder of what we need to be doing, which I think is so important because it is so easy to get off path and start running off the deep end into things that don't even matter. I had a great conversation with my dad last week about potentially Trump's arrest. And we were both just laughing at this thing because here's kind of the bottom line on the whole thing. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to get wrapped up around and bent on Trump's arrest if they do it, which they probably will. For the very reason that there's going to be a lot of people who get worked up and bent on Trump's arrest. It's, it's good for the production of tyrannical America versus the people. It's a great movie. And it gives them all sorts of excuses to in, deploy crisis actors and strip away more rights and create another January 6th event and create more drama that takes us ultimately away from what? The one thing that they fear the most, our relationship with God. We don't value that statement enough. We do not value the point that these people are truly afraid of our relationship with Father God. We talk about how, oh, they're scared because the white hats are coming or there's going to be accountability or there's going to be gallows. They're not afraid of that. And they're not. What they're afraid of is that we wake up with the power of God that we have. We are kings and and princes in this world. We We are a product 
of the one God, the true God, the God, the Lord of hosts. When we command things and we do so in alignment with God as God leads us, we have true power over all evil in this world. And when Christ says we can do greater works than he, that wasn't an exaggeration or hyperbole. It was meant for what it says. Now, the problem is that we live in a world where, unfortunately, doctrine outweighs common sense. And hear me out on this. We don't have churches that are out here performing the miracles that need to be done. We are, we are tasked with healing the sick, casting out demons, raising the dead, and doing greater works than he. Now, let that sink in a minute. I don't even know what that means. I mean this. I don't know what greater works than Christ is, but he said that we can do it. What does that mean? We're not doing it. We're simply putting ourselves in a place to allow the Holy Spirit to work for it, through us and for us. We become the, the vehicle by which it is created. But to get ourselves there and to understand the magnitude of that, that's what our enemy is most afraid of. They understand who we are. We're still waking up to that. And so when you look at this thing of Trump's arrest as an example where people are, I mean, that's all that's been in the cycle of news. Trump's arrest, Trump's arrest, Trump's arrest. And it's like, who cares? And I'm really, and you've heard this saying, like, what does that have anything to do with the price of tea in China? And the answer is nothing. It doesn't change some of the looming threats. If you're going to look at it from the, of the playboard of, of politics, there's no change in the rollout of the CBDC. There's no change in the ever-expanding approach for artificial intelligence. There's no change in the amount of money that's being dumped into blockchain. There's no change in the policy of of pushing and mandating injections and death shots for children and elderly. There's no change in the propaganda that the media is spewing down people's throats and packing into their brains. None of that changes with Trump's arrest. But the one thing it does do, and it continues to reinforce, is it sucks people into watching mainstream media again, which is the number one thing they need you to do because it's the only way they can program your brain box. And it separates us from the Lord. Our focus on on Father gets pulled away. And that's literally the one thing that I really enjoyed with Bobby Connor all weekend is that throughout his sermons, and even when you're talking to him on the side, which I had that opportunity, and that, and I just have to say this openly, I mean, this happens the way God works, but the reason I'm able to even have those sort of personal conversations with Bobby Connor is one because Brad Cummings invited me as a guest to go to the prophetic conference a few weeks ago back at North Carolina where I was introduced by Brad to Bobby. And two, because down at Glad Tidings, I have an amazing friendship and, and true love in this church and who is and that is led and displayed by Pastor Dave Bryant. So I, I'm in a place where, you know, I'm I'm very blessed where God's put me. But so to be able to tell you these things about Bobby Connor as a person that doesn't know him, has just met him, but it's profound how he never leaves that space with Father God. 
everything in his life circles around putting Father God first and cycling through with him. I've talked, I talk a lot about that because myself, I try to live that way. And when we, when you witness somebody who is living that way, it's real inspiring. So, and I think that's at the core of most everything we are going to be challenged with going forward. Life doesn't have to be complex or complicated, but we're going to do both of those things if we're not careful. And we really water down this fight. It's not a, a difficult fight to win, but it does take a, a willingness to break away from all of the addictive lures that are thrown out there, which a lot of it is news. I'm not going to stop going over news topics, to be clear, but there is, as I've continued to tell you, there is an increasing push towards deeper look in Scripture and deeper work into building that relationship with Father God, whatever that looks like and however I'm led. Because ultimately, that's the only thing that's going to count. We're trying to balance a waking up of many. Some are here all the time. Some are new to the channel. And there isn't a, a simple equation to that. So I put a lot of prayer into each of these shows where God leads me, which is always this sort of balance of we've got to keep our eyes on what's going on. And that's part of the requirement, too. It, to go the other way, say we're, not going to, we're going to ignore everything. We're going to become like every other church. And I'm not going to do that. And when you hear churches say things like, well, we're not going to get involved in politics. It's like, okay, but we're accountable to this world because this has been bequeathed to us to steward and to to look over. And since we're not doing a good job, we're all going to be held accountable for the lack of action we've done to stop this Luciferian nightmare. So we have work to do. And above all, that work needs to ultimately protect the little ones. But at the core of all things is this relationship with God. And it's a beautiful thing that we're doing. As we nurture that and build our strength in that, because as we're doing that, we're stepping deeper into kingdom and separating ourselves from the Luciferian matrix, but we're able to use our knowledge of what's going on in there to bring people across and then to use scripture to lead them into that relationship with Christ. Philippians 4, 12 to 13. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Such truth. Such truth. I, I've talked a little bit about it, and I today I'm hitting, I guess it's 28 days on fast as God originally led, and it's now has expanded. And it's really quite amazing because this, this fast is going to end on 4-7, which is Good Friday. And as God works, as this was led, the fast will be 47 days. And this is where, in prayer, I was like, okay, so why, why go 47, not 40? And this was a simple, just simple response. You've asked to do greater works than he. So this is where you begin.
And I'm like, okay, I'm good. And we get to that place where we're reminded in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We have need to refine our lives, simplify our focus, be aware and pay attention to how the enemy moves, know what they're doing, and at the same time, embolden our depth of knowledge and our ability to communicate in the word. It's those relationships there in being active in our world, not passive, engaged with the world, not tangentially related to it, that we are able to start bringing in the power of the Holy Spirit as we walk in our daily life. Right now, we have no idea who we're walking around. We know on one level that there's a whole bunch of crazies that are running this clown show. But when we're encountering people on the streets, and there's a lot of them, we don't know who we're talking to. And God's there to provide an enormous amount of experience and wealth of knowledge and gifting in ways that we don't typically do an accounting on. If you're looking for mana and honey and money from the sky, well, you might be waiting a while. But if you're looking for the enrichments that God gives that then get multiplied seven times over or more, Try engaging with somebody who's homeless or engaged. And it doesn't mean you have to come in and start swinging the Bible, but you start with something simple with like, what do you need? And open up a conversation, offer to pray, and engage them. And when we do, we start to get more fulfilled than we ever imagined. Today's engagement wasn't anything profound, at least by my eyes but it was where God wanted me to go. In the end, sometimes it's just about buying donuts and giving a prayer. But what I do know is that a person who had been unidentified, had been washed over, was recognized, and had enough confidence in the moment to be able to offer his name and a handshake. What was real interesting was at the end of the prayer, a young lady rode up, purple hair on a bike, she didn't engage, but I watched her in the corner of my eye. She couldn't figure out what was going on. She needed Jesus. They all needed Jesus. But that moment, hopefully, will seed her heart, as God does. If we're all out here doing that sort of work, listening and obeying and doing that sort of ministry, we're truly going to be changing the world. So, you know, and, and part of that as well as what we've talked about here already has been this ministry of this, what I'm calling the sourdough revolution. And, and just for those who have not heard about it yet, commit to making sourdough bread. Start your starter 
Learn to make sourdough bread. It's not going to take you long to learn it. You're only going to get better at it once you do. And even if your first batch doesn't turn out great, it'll still taste good. But make two loaves a week. Share one. Share one loaf with your neighbor. Share one loaf with the kids in the in the neighborhood. Share one loaf with a homeless guy. I don't know. But get in the habit of sharing a loaf, breaking bread. Because back to this principle of winning the war. I'm not going to tell you it's not going to get dicey at a certain point. It might. But the function of winning is not going to be won ultimately on a sword of steel. The ultimate victory is going to come through the sword of the Spirit. And the way that's going to happen is some pretty fundamental issues. Meeting people where they are, not expecting them to be where we are. Going further then is as well to break bread in some fashion. Maybe it's a bag of donuts, right? Maybe it's a carton of cigarettes. But it's the metaphor of sharing and providing as what they need. We start to show that sort of kindness and open heart. We're breaking down walls and expectations. I can almost guarantee you today, by the way things changed and the way God led on this experience today, is that there was an expectation and I was just going to come out, evangelize, and walk away. Evangelizing came in a different form that broke down walls. It came from a simple fact that I spent a couple bucks on some donuts. But see, that showed something else. And this is as God led. It was the point. What was important was them and where they were. And acknowledging them as human beings. We have a big problem in this nation. We're not in a good state, state right now. And where we're looking at are so many people that have been disenfranchised and being pushed out. And I'm going to tell you, Christians are quick to judge too. That can't be our message. There is a real need right now to be looking for the opportunity to helping those in need. There's a lot of demonic activity right now. So there's a lot of demons rolling around too. And all of this is about the tools that we're supposed to have, which unfortunately aren't being taught. So we have skills to build quickly. And the way that's going to be built is our trust in Father God. He's there to guide, to help, to lead, to raise us up, and to prepare us for such a time as this. Ephesians 3.13 Therefore I ask you do not become discouraged about my tribulations on your behalf since they are your glory. For this reason I bend my knees before the Father for whom every family in heaven and on earth desires its, derives its name 
that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner self so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the height and depth and to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to all the fullness of God. Heaven does not rank the world the way we do. And if we're going to look for the princes of heaven, we're probably going to start having to look on the streets and in the little kid children. Where much is given, much is asked. And like it or not, if you want to measure your station in life to the wealthy in this world and say that they have much given, therefore they're asked more than I, we're missing the point. When we compare ourselves with those that have nothing or have been outcast, where much is given and much is asked falls on our shoulders, not on theirs. And in a time now where we are, we have to start pursuing that higher order and that higher love. So the best place to begin, marinate more deeply in the word. Listen to the nudges of Father and respond. Don't delay. The faster we move, the more powerful the response. Find an opportunity to break bread. And in doing so, we expand the kingdom and the body of Christ. And we build fellowship and seed as heaven, for heaven as God wishes us to do. Let's pray. Father God, we are blessed in this time. That we have an opportunity as we do to continue to come together in this fellowship that truly expands the globe. We're blessed with a time in which we have, we in which we live, that to simply reach to you and to listen to you, the most profound opportunities are put before us. But we have to learn discernment and we have to learn to respond to the nudge. So, Father, tonight we pray for the many hearts to start responding to the nudge, to train ourselves once again to hear you clearly and to follow as you point us to embrace the power of the Holy Spirit, to walk in our lives, lives to lead us, not to be fixated on what we think the world should be, but rather hear what you need us to do in the world in which we live. To position ourselves in such a way as to realize that we are not of this world, but instead we are the kings and princes of the world to steward the world. Pray for the awakening of those hearts, Father. Guide us and bless us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. We are not perfect. And we never will be. And God knows that. So, the biggest thing is we have to try 
discipline ourselves in being into the world, breaking out of our comfort zones and taking God's word into the places that otherwise no one will go. With that is the fearlessness that God gives us because he is with us. We're not walking alone anytime we're going. If we're listening to him and he's guiding, he's with us the entire time. And it's there that we'll see the greatest effect. It's there that the miracles start to present themselves clearly. I don't know about you, but I believe in the miracles. I don't question them. They're in scripture. They should be evident to us today. But unfortunately, we've tried to convince ourselves somehow that miracles don't happen like that anymore. I don't believe that. Any more than I don't believe people that try to cast away the words of Christ that says that we can do greater works than he. It is said, therefore it shall be done as long as we trust in God. We have an amazing opportunity right now to turn the tide of this fight. It's not going to happen at the polls. It's not going to happen with our obsession of politics. It's going to happen one person at a time. Taking the time to listen to where God points us, taking the time to listen to what they need, meeting them where they are, sharing the word, and breaking bread. The world will change and change quickly. Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time and this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now.
chasing mountains I can't climb. Holding out for heroes in the night. I find myself here in the dark. We learn to fight and learn who we are. But I am raised up to face the stars full of light. And we are. Sometimes it takes all.